Father, we worship you. We thank you today for your goodness over our life. <clears throat> thank you, Lord, for all the provisions you've given to us. Thank you, Lord, that your word says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Who forgives all our iniquities. Who, redeem, who forgives our iniquities. Who healeth all our diseases. Who redeems our life from destruction. Lord, you crown us with loving kindness and tender mercies today. Lord, let fresh oil be poured out on every head today. Ha <laughs> ha. Fresh oil. Fresh oil from heaven. You crown us with loving kindness, Lord. Thank you that you love us. I am loved of you. And that's all that matters. Thank you, Lord, as the psalmist said, I shall be anointed with fresh oil today. Thank you for fresh oil upon every head. Fresh oil from heaven. And we thank you for it. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Hallelujah. Turn in your Bible to the book of John chapter 4 this morning. John chapter 4. And let's look in um, verse 19. I'm going to read from the New King James this morning. You know, let me just say there's a lot of good translations out there. There's some that, that are, are para more paraphrases. But, you know, we don't, we don't just believe that God only speaks to us in King James. I mean, know that. You know, if you go to, if you say to the Lord, Lord, wherefore do you want me to go? He'll say, over therest. But, you know, we talk to the Lord normally. Amen. So let's read from um, verse 19. He says, the woman said to him, sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. Our fathers worshiped on this mountain and you Jews say that in Jerusalem is the place where one ought to worship. Jesus said to her, woman, believe me, the hour is coming when you will neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We know what we worship for salvation is of the Jews. But the hour is coming and now is when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father is seeking such to worship Him. God is spirit or um, the King James says, a spirit. And those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. Father, we thank you for your word today. We thank you for <clears throat> touching every heart. Lord, we purpose to be doers of your word and not hearers only. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Hallelujah. The basis for the, the Christian life is wrapped up in this word worship. Jesus is looking for true worshipers. The Father is looking for those that would worship Him in spirit and truth. He wants true worshipers. Well, if you can have true worshipers, that means you can have false worshipers. How many want to be true worshipers today? You know, over many church buildings, there's this, this word even in bulletins, it says worship service. But how few actually press in? How few actually go to that place of worship where, where it's something that's, that touches their heart? Worship is something of the heart, as we're going to talk about. Worship is something that comes from the inner man. Worship is not just a ritual. Worship is not just a place. You know, any revival that you want to look at through history, 
People want to make relics out of them. People want to worship things. Oh, oh that, was the, that painting was right there near the baptistry, and it's such a holy thing. It's just a painting. <laughs> I'm not even going to go into the gimmicks that, that, that people sell. You know, there's a lot of um, companies out there that like to make money on Christian ministries. So they'll write up their newsletter, make it look really bad. And, you know, if, if you'll give to this, if you'll do this, if, if you'll just send in this, this offering, and it doesn't, doesn't even come from that ministry. It's somebody making money by the bukus outside and charging ministries two and $300,000. You know, kneel on this piece of carpet and you're, you'll get closer to God. That's nonsense. Well, you know, I'll pray for you in Jerusalem and I'll put your, your I, I don't need you to go to Jerusalem. I just need to go to the Father God. Amen. Amen. You know, some people think, you know, if I go to this place, there's this open portal over heaven. You, you can pray right where you're at and get all the answers from God. So he tells, Jesus is telling this woman at the well, you worship, you know not what. This sounds much like the modern church today. You know, there's, there's interesting things that go on in services under the guise of worship. But Jesus said here in verse 23 that the Father is seeking true worshipers. The Father is seeking people who will worship Him from their mouth and in their heart. As we said, the whole Christian life is about our heart. So one of the things, you, we, we realize this, that you worship in vain if your mouth worships, but your heart is not submitted to God. Do you know God is looking not just for a mouth commitment, but he's looking for a heart commitment. What does, what does the Bible say in Matthew 15, verse 8 and 9? These people draw near to me with their mouth. And honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. And in vain they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. So, so here you see the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the wouldn't sees, and the couldn't sees. Here, what they did, they taught the doctrines of men. They taught it like it was Bible. You know, there's, there's a lot of people that do that today. That's why we, have one, we should have one saying around here. Where's the scripture? How many remember that old commercial of Wendy's years ago? The older lady, she pulls up and says, where's the beef? How many remember that? And I kind of date some of you. Where's the beef? Well, you should ask a question when people tell you some certain things. Where's the scripture? Give me the scripture. Well, you know, you, you, you won't necessarily find it in the Bible. Then I don't want to hear it then. Amen. So he says, their heart is far from me, and in vain they worship me. Is it possible to worship God in vain? He says it is. Teaching his doctrines the commandments of men. And so... You know, it's, it's, it's also unprofitable to offer up something from a disobedient heart. See, God wants your heart. How many of you remember Saul? The Bible tells us of Saul, he was the king. Do you remember that God told him, Saul, I'm sending you to do this. I want you to destroy all the Amalekites, the king, everything that's there. Leave nothing alive. And so, do you think he was confused about that? Do you think that God wasn't clear? <laughs> here, here it was given through the, through the man of God, through Samuel. And so he, he has this, but he goes on and, and saves Agag, the king. Why? He wants to save it to worship. That, that really wasn't the motivating factor. The motivating factor 
was his pride. He wanted to set him up a place, the Bible said. He, he wanted the, to be seen in front of the people. He wanted the, the accolades of men. So here is Samuel, and just like any true man of God, he would confront him about it. He said, hey, what's this? Um, he greets him. He says, I have done the commandment of the Lord. He knew he hadn't. And he comes up and he says, um, what's this mooing I hear? What's this, this, this sheep sound I hear? And, and then he goes and, and makes excuse. And he says, well, you know, it's the people. So here he was. He was trying to, and at the end of his disobedience, he tells Samuel, he says, come and worship with me. Let's go and worship. It got so bad to where he said, you know, I'm not going to worship with you. And, and Samuel is standing there and Saul pulls and tears his garment. Such disrespect for the man of God. He turns around and said, God has torn the kingdom from you this day. That was, it was over. Now he was still in his pomp and ceremony for a little while and his riding his nice chariot. But it was over. And so he says, go. go. Go with me in front of the people so I can go worship. How many know his heart was not in it? So it doesn't matter, you know, what you're, you're doing. You know, if it's like, you can be sent here, Lord, I just praise you, and you're just lifting your hands, you're just looking around and talking to someone else. You know, that's, that's not heart worship. Notice what he says in 1 Samuel 15, 22. Samuel said, talking to Saul, has the Lord as great a delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord. So you know what God cares more about than anything? Is you obeying him. But what happened? Saul had a better idea. Pride always has a better idea. Well, I know they told me to do this. But I happen to know that there's a better deal over here. I'm going to go do that. Just obey. And notice what he says here. Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice. And to hearken than the fat of rams. You know, if you, if you keep reading in that passage, you know, the Bible says this. That if you disobey, in fact, I think you should just turn there just real quick. See that I'm not making it up. 1 Samuel chapter 15. <clears throat> 1 Samuel 15, I'm going to read in verse 21 leading up to that. He says, but the people took of the spoil, sheep and oxen, the chief, the chief of the things which should have been utterly destroyed to sacrifice unto the Lord thy God in Gilgal. And Samuel said, Hath the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice and to hearken than the fat of rams. But look at verse 23. For rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. How many think that witchcraft is not good? One hand. Two Rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft and stubbornness is as iniquity and idolatry. But do we really see it like that? Now, now what, if you, what if you went up, and I've said this before, what if you went up to someone's house and you saw, you saw their, their car was there, you rang the doorbell, they weren't there and you know it's getting more summertime now. You went around the back and, and you see that they're, they're bowing down to the, and, and they're, you know, got all this, this rooster blood and, and they're offering up things. What would you think? You say, dear Lord, what are they doing? You know, here, here they're supposed to be a church member. Well, see, that's the same thing. What happens if we have rebellion? Rebellion is the same as witchcraft. Now, what if I went over to see Rama this afternoon and said, and, um, you know, knocked on the door and, hey, I know he's there. I thought I heard some music playing. And you look around the side, and there he is. He, he's bowing down to some rock and worshiping this image. What would you think? Dear Lord, 
I thought, I thought he was born again. I thought he was serving God. Well, that's the same thing as stubbornness. But we don't see it like that. Well, you know, they just, they, they have a little bit of stubbornness. That's the same thing as saying, well, you know, they, they just worship idols a little bit. You know, not a big deal, just worship idols. But that's what happened. He's telling him, he says, behold, to obey is better than sacrifice and to hearken than the fat rams." So what we want is to be a true worshiper. True worshipers. Worship is from the heart. It's not a religious act of posture. Do you remember the Bible tells us one, at one occasion, the Lord says, rend your heart, not your garment. So here are these people, they were, they were pulling their clothes, tearing their clothes, putting ash, ashes on their head and dirt on their head, but their heart, God saw right through that. He says, deal with your heart. You know, you can come to an altar and cry and never repent. So worship is the heart crying out. Psalm 42, 7 says this, deep calls in the deep. And and one of the things that, that we really have to realize in our life is, is, Prayer is a heart cry. Worship comes from the heart. Even giving comes from the heart. If things don't come from your heart, they don't move you. <clears throat> you know, that's one of the things that, that, that we need in the church. I'm, and I'm talking about the church universal, but also in this church. Is we need heartfelt prayer. What does the Bible say? James says this, the heartfelt continued prayer of a righteous man avails much. What happens? It's dynamic and it's working. And so heartfelt prayer, does this sound like heartfelt prayer? Lord, we just come to you today. We thank you, Father God, for this, Father God. And this, you know, just go through this. The Bible talks about not just repeating things, saying the same things, getting into uh, religious mindsets. But how many know if you're in trouble, who's ever just been in trouble and you said, God, help? It's got to be heartfelt. It's got to come out of your spirit. I mean, I remember, I remember when I went to Bible school and um there was a brother there. I think he was, he was either from Nigeria or one of the bordering countries. And um, I just remember his name was Cyrus. And um, Cyrus was there. And I, you know, I, I was only new in the things of God 10 months when I went to Bible school. So I was green as could be. And I thank God that he put me where he did. But um, I remember going to prayer school. And we'd walk around praying. And um, people would be praying, you know, and they'd be kneeling down. People would be, you know, excited. They'd be moving their hands. And think, man, you know, this is new prayer to me. I came out of the Methodist church, you know. I didn't see this kind of prayer. And, um, but just, just heartfelt. And see, that's what prayer should be. Heartfelt. Where you cry out. And just... You know, our pastor tells a story when he prayed as a young man and said, Lord, I want your fire. But he didn't just say, God, I want your fire. Just send the fire right now. No, he said, God, I want your fire. God, he said, he cried out for 20 minutes. God, I want your fire. He said, all of a sudden, he said, the power of God came on him. And he said he began to laugh. He began to speak in tongues. He began to cry and do all three of them at the same time. (laughs) Who's ever laughed and cried at the same time? And he's just, he's going on and on. And he says that that power was just so strong on him. He said it lasted for minutes, an hour, two hours, three hours, four hours, one day, two days, three days. He finally, he said, Lord, he said, I wanted you to bless me, not kill me. So finally, he just said, Lord, just let that power subside a little bit. And he did. He said for like two weeks, he could sense that presence. 
Then he didn't. So he thought, oh, I must have backslid or something. What did I do wrong? So the thing he said is, I always want to plug people in that same power that came in me. But it was heartfelt. How many remember what the Bible says about Hezekiah? Hezekiah was at the point of death. I don't know about you, but I, I've been at places where I, if I wasn't, I felt like I was at the point of death. Even here a few weeks ago. And, and overcame a, a major battle. I'm still fighting battles. But that doesn't mean that I'm not, I don't have the victory. I'm going to put that devil in his place. <clears throat> but Hezekiah, here's the man that the prophet of God comes to his house and says, Hey, set your house in order for you shall surely die. Now, a lot of people would think, Oh, that's it. I mean, if, if it was Fred Sanford, you'd say, Elizabeth, this is the big one. I'm coming to join you. <laughs> I mean, that's just the way it is. But Hezekiah, because the prophet was the main person, the spokesperson for God. But here Hezekiah, he says, you know, I've got a death sentence, but, but I'm going to implore of the Lord. The Bible says he turns his face to the wall. Now, I don't know about you, but when you turn your face to the wall, you don't see much. Except the wall, and then, then it disappears. But the Bible says he cried out. And what, what happened at the end of that, we know is I've seen your prayers. I mean, I've seen your tears. I've heard your prayer. I'm going to add 15 years to your life. He alerts the man of God and says, hey, go back, tell him this. And tells him that whole scenario. But how many know that when you're at the point of death like that, you're going to have a heartfelt cry? I mean, there's no just desperation. Some people just need to get desperate. You have to get tired of being sick and tired. The Bible tells us about the 10 lepers that were healed. But you know, only one came back to say thanks. You know what Jesus says? He says, where, he doesn't say, God bless you. He says, where are the nine? Where are the nine? Only this Samaritan, only this stranger came back to give glory to God. And you know what happened? Now, leprosy is a terrible disease. Your flesh literally rots off of you. You lose body parts. They fall off. So here, the Bible says that they were healed. But one who turned back gave glory to God. The Bible says he was made whole. What does that mean? The ones who were healed, that just stopped the disease. But the one who was made whole, he got his nose back. He got his fingers back. He was made whole just like he had never had the disease. Hallelujah. We're talking about worshiping in spirit and truth today. Thank you, Lord. I like what Jesus tells him. He says, Jesus answering said, where there are not ten cleansed, but where are the nine? There are not found that return to give glory to God, save this stranger. And he said to him, arise, go your way. Your faith hath made you whole. You know, I want you to realize today that your faith is the de determining factor in your healing, in your deliverance, in your freedom. And you know, just like when we come to church, it's always good to remind ourselves this, that when it comes to utterance and the things that the Lord gives me, and, and as far as the service can go, yes, it is dependent upon preparation and study, but it's much more dependent upon the people. You know why? Because Jesus, even in his own hometown, the Bible says he could there do no mighty work. It didn't say that he, he, he didn't. He said he couldn't. Why? He said because of their unbelief. And because of that, the Bible says, and he went from village to village teaching. Why? Because the cure for unbelief is teaching. But it wasn't just a lack of knowledge that they had. It was a heart thing. You know why they said... Who is this? This is Bubba. We, we played with him. You know, we, we were babysitting him. 
I know his brothers and sisters. And the Bible says, and they were offended at him. You can never receive from an anointing that you're offended at. You can never receive, you can never be mad at a minister and offended at them and still receive from God. Amen. You know, there's a lot of people that come to a service just, just to critique it. We have Pharisees among us today. I'm not, just, I'm not talking about this service. There could be. But there's Pharisees among us, scribes. You know, just like when Jesus, the Bible says he, he went and healed this man that had a withered hand. Now, maybe this, this hand was drawn up, maybe arthritis. Whatever it was, he couldn't use that hand. And they said that the Pharisees went there to prove, you know, they were just trying to tempt him and get him in trouble. Why? Because he always healed on the Sabbath day. And Jesus preached a good message. He said, he said this many times, hypocrites. He said, you know, if, if you're just, like, we'll say our, your dog, you know, if your dog went in and fell in the, in the pit, you wouldn't go and say, well, you know, maybe the Lord had a, a, a special plan for Fido for him to be in the, in, the, in the pit today. Maybe he should be in the ditch. He said, no, you would just go grab that dog out of there. See, Jesus linked an animal being in distress to a person being under the, the influence of sickness and disease. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and power who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed to the devil. Jesus calls sickness and disease satanic oppression. So why do people say it might be from the Lord? So worship, true worship does not spring forth only in the good times. It springs forth out of and in the middle of the darkest seasons of life. I mean, remember Jonah in the fish's belly. That was not a convenient time. <laughs> the three Hebrew children in the fire. Daniel in the lion's den. Paul and Silas in prison. Here's the thing. I like what Smith Wigglesworth said. He said, if you wait to develop your faith when you're in trouble, you're at a disadvantage. You don't wait. How I many of the, the, the championship fighter doesn't run and get ready the day before? You don't just build your faith. Oh, there's a storm coming. Oh, there's a storm coming. We better, I can see the clouds. We better get our stuff in from outside. You know, oh, there's this. Oh, this, this attack is coming on. I better build my faith that God's going to protect me. No, you need to already have those scriptures on the inside of you. And so when the bad times come, which, which you are going to be, there are going to be tests and trials. But if you're prepared, you'll, you'll have the victory. So all circumstances don't have to be the best for worship to be true worship. True worship originates from a heart whose trust, hope, and faith are in the Lord and not just in a temporary situation. Hallelujah. So one of the things we realize too is when we talk about true worship, what did he say? He said, I'm seeking, the Father is seeking those that worship him in spirit and truth. Now what's the opposite of that? In the flesh and with falseness. The, the least bit of pretension is like a wall between you and the Lord. Yeah. Just, just being fake. I don't know about you, but I don't like being fake. No. And so that, that's part of heart crying and, and, and praying to God. If, if something if bothers you, you know God can handle it. God, you know, I don't like this. I don't understand this. Yeah. He's not going to be offended. How dare you talk to me like that? Don't you know I'm the Father God? He, you, you know, he, he's not worried about those kind of things. Just go and tell him because you, you're already thinking it anyway. Amen. See, it makes, no, it makes no sense to be miffed at God, to be angry. And you're really, you're just thinking, God, you really let me down. And 
you know, this, I don't like this at all. Brother, would you pray? Now, Lord, we just, we love you in this place and we just come in this place together and, and just have this religious voice. Meanwhile, on the inside, you're, you're aggravated. It'd be better if you just got out and say, Lord, this is not right. And you just, you plead your case, with, like the Bible says. And then the Lord might plead his case back. He'll say, okay, son, now that you've said what you've said, let me tell you. You've been a big baby. You've been selfish. Oh, okay, Lord. <laughs> but one thing we realize, too, is true worship comes from a pure heart. A heart that is pure and holy. A heart that is ablaze and on fire. A heart that's full of passion and a heart full of faith. That's why we want to do like the old time preacher said. He said, Lord, dip me in the kerosene of your spirit and set my heart ablaze that I may burn for you. See, you don't want to, you don't want to just say, Lord, use me without him. You know, just like when you, when you put metals, you burn them and you get the, the, the dross off, off the top. See, that's what the presence of God does. Yeah. It burns in your life. And you, trust me, you want God to do that in your life. Yes. Now, he doesn't do that by sending sickness or a calamity or, you know, an earthquake or things like that. But he will deal with things in your heart. Yes, he He'll burn those things. You can either have the fire now or you can have the fire, the judgment seat of Christ where everything is burned up or you can have hell fire. So choose the fire you want today. Yes. I, I want the fire now and, and say, Lord, I don't care if there's nothing left. Just, just let that fire burn in me right now. Do have your way in my life. Yes. Do a work on the inside of me. Yes. <clears throat> so true worshipers worship the Father in spirit and in truth. And as we said, that's different than in the flesh. Just in the flesh. See, in the, in the Old Testament, the thing we have to realize, the Bible says we have a new covenant established upon better promises. People, for whatever reason, they always want to go back to the Old Covenant. They want to, they want to bring up the, um, the tabernacle of David. They want to worship like that. They want to worship with this and that all going back to the Old Covenant. The Old Covenant was written for spiritually dead people. We are not spiritually dead people. We've been born again, made new creations in Christ. That's why we do everything in the Spirit, not according to the flesh. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. That's why, it, you, you, that's why the Bible says, be led by the Spirit. Why? Because it... it Whatever the Spirit of God, He evokes a response, you have to be led. That means there's a responsibility on my part. <clears throat> so there is a difference between the Old Testament worship and New Testament worship. In the Old Testament, we see this in Psalm 22, verse 3. God inhabits the praises of His people. But in the New Testament, God inhabits... His people of praise. The Old Testament, God inhabits the praises of people. That means that when the praises go up, that's where God lives. He doesn't live in depression. He doesn't live in complaining, fault finding and murmuring. He lives in praises. As I praise Him, amen. Because there's times where, where I got over in that area and it's like, okay, God's not really blessing me right now. So um, I need to get out of this. And I'm, Father, I repent. Every time you complain, you need to say, Father, I repent. Yeah, that's good. You know why? Complaining is not of faith. Let me just say a couple of things. Faith, <laughs> faith is never, I, don't, I mean, I'm not saying we're not tempted. But see, faith is not depressed. Faith, even though you, you're tempted to be discouraged, faith doesn't stay down. Faith always jumps up. Yes. 
Even if, if you get knocked down, you just jump right back up. <laughs> Faith always has a good report. That's why the Apostle Paul, as much as went through in his life, he said this. He said, we're troubled on every side. Now see, some, some people would have wrote back to Paul and said, Paul, don't you be making those bad confessions now. Say that we have no trouble in Jesus' name. Well, see, that's not faith either. You denying the problem is not faith. You, you saying, well, you know, I, I'm, I'm just going to deny that. You may deny it's right to be in your life, but you just acting like something is not there is not faith. <clears throat> so God inhabits his people of praise. Amen. First Thessalonians 5. Rejoice evermore. Give thanks. In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Um, other places in Ephesians and Colossians say this. In everything give thanks. So what does that mean? In every situation I can give thanks. In everything. I can't give... Well, Father, I just thank you right now for that I have this ankle hurts. Lord, I just thank you that my, my thumb hurts. And Lord, I just thank you for this. Blessed be your holy name. The Lord gives, the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. No, the Bible says, in everything, give thanks. In everything. So that means in the trouble, in the problem, in the turmoil. Father, I may be facing this right now. See, Here's what faith does. Faith acknowledges the, that the problem is there. If you don't acknowledge the problem is there, you're not going to do anything about it. But you acknowledge, yeah, okay. Lord, I have this problem facing me right now. But armed with the greater facts of God's word. Yes. Woo! <laughs> armed with the, the greater facts of God's word. I almost just took a lap right there. Armed with the greater facts of God's word, this is what God's word says. So, you know, you, you don't just deny problems. You know, people have had tumors in their body. Well, I just, I just deny it. Meanwhile, it's, it's growing larger and larger. Meanwhile, what would faith do? Okay. Yeah, that's in my body. But I acknowledge in Jesus' name, I curse that at the roots. See, that's what faith. Faith acknowledge, okay, it's, yeah, it's there. It's causing me problems. But in the name of Jesus, the name that's above every name, I curse it at the roots. Amen. Hallelujah. Ephesians 5 verse 18 says this, And be not drunk with wine, wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. Don't be drunk with wine, he says, where uh, the Amplified says, where is debauchery, where is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. So, you know, he actually likens being filled with the Spirit to being drunk on wine. People think, well, you know, I got saved and I, I used to drink, but now I'm just, I'm, I'm sober, but people are too sober. According to the scripture, you need to be filled with a new wine, with the wine of God, the wine of the Spirit. And I'm not talking about somebody grabbing a, a bottle of wine and saying that this is the wine of God. No, this is this wine you can't see it in the natural. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> I mean, Lord have mercy. I mean, years ago, there was this, when we were still living in Florida, there was this big revival going on. And everything imaginable, you know, um, was happening. And it wasn't where we lived, but it was kind of down the road about 45 minutes. And it was just like, you'd see people, you can tell that it looks like they just came out of Woodstock or something. And, you know, they're there and they're saying, well, you know, yeah, man, we're just... Uh, just, we're just smoking the ghost. And they were, they were acting like they were receiving the Holy Ghost. It's just so totally ungodly. 
I don't smoke the ghost. <laughs> Amen. I don't smoke the Holy Ghost and just, yeah, Holy Ghost. And just, the Bible says they were rocking in a reeling in the streets in Jerusalem. And it was the Holy Ghost power. But they were not just like, they, it wasn't something where there was this big cloud over there. I'm just smoking the ghost. <laughs> Amen. He is real, but he is intangible. So you, you can't see him. But you can still receive from him. And it's just as real. So people, people come out of the, that, that lifestyle and that scene. And then they look at you crazy if you're drunk in the Holy Ghost. Why? Because you can't see him. But he's just as real. Amen. That's, and you know, here's the thing. There's certain things that you, you're never going to, most of the things of God, you're never going to get it with your mind. You're never going to receive the things of God through your mind. Now, we've said this many times, but you think with your mind, but you drink with your heart. You drink and you receive from here. And see, that's the thing. Many times there's a blockage right here. But you just have to learn. Lord, see, how did you receive the Lord? You didn't receive him with your mind. What'd you do? You believe in your heart. You confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. What happens? There's a change on the inside. You're made righteous. You're made a new creation in Christ. Well, just like you do that, um, Colossians 2, around verse 6, says this, As you have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk you in Him. So the same way that I received Christ is this. I believed, I received, and I confessed with my mouth. That's how I received my healing. That's how I received my needs met. That's how I received the joy of the Lord. That's how I received the Holy Spirit and speak with other tongues. The same way. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. So he says, speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always. One of the, the, the great things about the Spirit-filled life is you're going to be thankful. If you keep reading, one of the things he says is this too, submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. As you're filled with him, you're a lot easier to get along with. <laughs> things, just, things just bounce off of you. Amen. And I'm not nearly as filled as I need to be. I mean, you, there's, here's the thing. Being filled is, is, it can change from day to day. It can change on a daily basis. Just like how much water you drink a day. Some days you might do better than others. You drink a half a gallon or a gallon or you maybe only drink one glass of water. But, but it determines, the Bible talks about walking in the fruit of the Spirit. Well, that fruit is actually the born-again Spirit, but it's actually all the attributes of the Holy Spirit. Love, joy, peace. So as you partake of, of the Holy Spirit, just like this, hey, you go down the street, what do you see? You go across the street right over here. I could probably almost see it right now. There's going to be a sign that says wine and spirits. Why? Because when you partake of wine, when you partake of alcohol, you, you begin to step over into another place. And you partake of those spirits. Why, why do people do the things they do? Because... The spirits that are involved. Yeah. Now, when you come into the things of God. Now, does God just leave us high and dry? Yeah. Does God just leave us to where, you know, you're saved, but you know, you, be sober like Peter said. Well, being sober, be vigilant, that means be on your watch. Yeah. But you can be on your watch and filled at the same time. Yes. Yeah. So in the things of God, God doesn't just leave us to be high and dry People think, well, you know, 
since I got, you know, when people get excited when they're born again, people have been in the way for a long time. That's the thing. They've been in the way. They need to get out of the way. Well, you know, one day you're going to be just like me and you're going to cool off. God never told us to trade in our zeal for knowledge. People want to say, well, you know, the Bible says that, that um, they have all this zeal, but not according to knowledge. But God never told you to get rid of your zeal for knowledge. Well, you know, you're grown up now and you're grown in the things of God. You better get rid of that zeal. You just better be serious. Some people are too serious. Amen. Just, you, just look at your neighbor. God has a sense of humor. Just, just take your mirror and look at yourself. God, God has a sense of humor. Amen. Some people didn't like that. <laughs> Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Amen. I, I say this all the time, but I think someone needs to hear it. How, how filled we are is going gonna, is gonna to replicate into our life. It's going to spill over into our life. Because when you drink of certain spirits, you're going to act like those spirits. When, and that's what's wrong with going to certain places. Well, you know, what's wrong with going here? What's wrong with going to a bar? What's wrong with going? It's, it's the spirits that are residing in the corners when it's real dark in there. If you could, yeah, if you could just see what people are yielding to, they would be aghast. Yes. They would probably throw up for three days yeah. the things that are in these places. So that's why we don't go to certain places because of the spirits that are there. Yeah. But God's given us something better. <laughs> yes. God's given us something better. And the Bible says, yes. drink of the new wine. Yes. Amen. You know what that is? That's his presence. Yeah. But I've said this before and it bears repeating. It's like the one person said, you know, did you hear about so-and-so? You know, brother so-and-so, he, he left and he, he took the, 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 the piano player and, and ran off with her. And uh, he stole the building fund offering. And, and you know what? That person is a spirit-filled individual. Not that day he wasn't. And probably many days before. Why? Because if you're filled, you're not going to act like that. So don't try to change yourself. I, I've, I tried to change myself for so long. How many know it's not about willpower? It's about firepower. And you, as, you, as you feed upon this word, as you spend time worshiping, as we said, in spirit and in truth, God will, just by you, just by you establishing a good prayer life, you would be amazed at the things that are just fall off of your life. And you won't even have to fight this and quit this and get rid of this. And you're not holier than thou. And you're not religious. You're just free. You're just free. Can you say amen? So let this month be a whole month of worship. I know in my own life, when I went to Bible school, I had a, my first year of school. Now, this was in the last century, so some of you, and uh, I'm a little older, but um, I'm not that old, but I'm only 48. That's really young. But um, it, was, it was in the last century, 1994. But I do remember I had a, a class in Bible school called Praise Life, the lifestyle of praise. And that happened in the month of April and May as I finished my first year in 94. And so it's just always been something the last eight or ten years where every time May comes around, I just kind of try to kick it up into high gear. Then I'm thinking about praise. I just think about that. Oh, praise life, praise life. And just live. It's a lifestyle. It's not a Sunday thing. <clears throat> it's not something I put on when I walk through those doors. I put it on when I wake up. I put my praise on. I put on worship. Hallelujah. So let this be a month of worship.
every day thanking him and giving him praise for his goodness, his mercy, and his grace. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. Come on, just praise the Lord a little bit. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Lord, you're so good. Your mercy truly endures forever, Lord. You are the King of kings and the Lord of lords. We just worship you. We lift you up, Jesus, in this room today. We lift you up in this place. You're lifted up high in our hearts, Lord. You're lifted up high in our hearts. You are high and lifted up in this place and in our hearts. Lord, we worship you in spirit and in truth in this place, Lord. We worship you with our hearts. We cry out with our hearts. We cry out deep, calls into deep. Lord, you're everything, Lord. You are a heart's desire, Lord. In you, we live and move and have our being. In you, you are everything. We are everything in you. Lord, I just thank you, God, for what you're doing in each and every heart here today, Lord. Lord, let the fire of God fall in this place. Let the fire of God burn in every heart, Lord, that we truly would never be the same. Lord, touch us, Lord. Rearrange our life, Lord. Lord, burn out all the things that don't belong. Burn out everything that doesn't belong and that is not pleasing to you, Lord. Lord, let that refiner's fire come and burn and burn deep, Lord, that we may be pure. Lord, that our hearts would be pure. Create in us a pure heart, oh God. Create in us a pure heart. Lord, that we may run after you with no hindrances, with no nothing holding us back, Lord. That there wouldn't be the things of the world holding our progress and our, our walk with you, Lord. That the path of the righteous would, would be that, 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 that open path that there's nothing that would trip us up. But Lord, do that work in us, Lord, in our hearts. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord.